Hello, and welcome to episode 64 of the Movie Marathoners podcast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mati, and joining me today are two wonderful guests. First, joining me for the second time is Amy Smith, a writer and film critic who you can find at filmforthought.co.uk. Amy, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining. Uh, Also joining us for the first time is Morgan Roberts. She's a writer and film critic for In Their Own League. Morgan, thanks for being here. How's your weekend going? It's going well so far. How is your week going? You know, can't complain. Not not too bad. It's it's nice that we're able to meet on a Wednesday instead of the the normal weekend. Uh, breaks up the workday a little bit, or the work week, I should say. So absolutely. <laughs> so, like I said, this is Amy's second time on the podcast. Uh, the first time was for a top five ranking of Disney animated films. Thought that was a great conversation. Not too much overlap between the two of us, so we got to talk about a lot of films. So be sure to check that out uh, and see if you agree with our picks. This week, we've got a very different topic on the agenda. We'll be discussing the new film, Misbehavior, which is available now to rent on VOD. So as usual, we'll start with our spoiler-free thoughts on the film, and then we'll run into spoilers where we can talk freely about all the twists and turns of this movie. I'm just kidding. This is a pretty straightforward movie, so we'll see how much spoilers we really talk about. Uh, But then after that, we'll finish up with our point two section where we discuss what else we've been watching. So let's start with a synopsis of misbehavior. A group of women hatch a plan to disrupt the 1970 Miss World Beauty competition in London. Misbehavior stars Kira Knightley, Jesse Buckley, and Gugu Mbatha-Ra. It is written by Rebecca Frain and Gabby Chiappi, and it is directed by Philippa Lothrop. Last year, 100 million people tuned in live to Miss World. More viewers than for the moon landings or the World Cup final. Beautiful, darling. Mum, don't. You and your sisters used to love playing Miss World. We also like to eat our own snot. They must have no defects. And if they're not pretty much 36, 24, 36, come on, the curves won't be in the right places. But we really believe beauty isn't just skin deep. The girls also get marks on charm, grace, deportment. Swimsuits. Miss World rehearsals are underway. Alphabetical order, come on, Yugoslavia. What are you doing up here? That's A. I'm the first black South African to take part. I'm the first Miss Grenada. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Bob Hope. The last time Bob guested on this show, he brought the winning girl home with him. (laughs) (laughs) They're turning oppression into spectacle. Let's make a spectacle of our own. We'd infiltrate the theater. Okay, so I know my feelings on the movie. I know a little bit about Morgan's feelings on the movie. But Amy, I have no idea what your your feelings are. So let's start with you. What are your thoughts overall on Misbehavior? Uh, It's just like one of those movies that I feel like wants to say a lot and has a lot to say. But I'm not sure whether it truly does say everything that I think it wants to or needs to. I have some issues, but there's also some wonderful, wonderful things that they mentioned. I particularly love the storyline with Gugu Mbatha-Ra. I think her storyline is really well done, and it's just the bits that float around it that maybe don't end up and land as well for me. Yeah, but so overall, you seem to enjoy it. it it's I felt like it was kind of like a, a feel-good film. Do you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. 
So, uh, Morgan, I know, I mean, I don't always know what the thoughts are of when I invite people onto the podcast, but I saw your one tweet about this movie and I was like, oh, I definitely want to talk to you about it because I love when people are passionate about films. So, Morgan, what are your thoughts on misbehavior? I so I really loved the film, and I think maybe it is kind of that feel-good nostalgic thing without it being... I think one of the things that it tries to touch on is the issues with white feminism, mm-hmm. and I think it does it in a way that still allows for that feel-goodness to be involved because we know that you know, non-intersectional feminism is really harmful. So it starts to bring that up without kind of losing a little bit of its charm so that you can start to bridge and bring that conversation in. And I mean, you also can't go wrong with that cast, like from top to bottom, everyone was doing a really great job. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the cast is fantastic in this movie. And we can probably talk about each one individually. But I think one of the most interesting parts of this movie is this Gugumbatha Ra character and how her character really is where the movie is trying to say things that are a little more complicated than um, feminism good, sexism bad. And I think that part of the film is, is really fascinating in theory, but I agree with Amy where I don't think it quite it doesn't quite say everything that I think it should. I feel like there's a lot going on under the surface of this film. And for whatever reason, the film doesn't necessarily want to really dig into the weeds there. But the moments that it does, there's like a confrontation between the Gugumbathara character and the Kira Knightley character, for example. I think when that comes together, that's a really a great part of the film. That's my favorite scene of a movie, that's for sure. So... Did you guys know anything about this event or anything about the Miss World competition before the start of this movie? Was this a familiar event for you guys? Um, I knew nothing about it, but I do know that any type of beauty contest was created for um, to promote eugenics. So that's why having mm-hmm. not just one, but two black women in the center of uh, this film and this competition was pretty revolutionary because it was supposed to encapsulate and perpetuate ideas of white supremacy and white superiority. So it's very interesting that this very historic moment, because we know everyone knows about um, Vanessa Williams winning uh, Miss America and how monumental that was. And the fact that we don't, know this story is pretty interesting. Yeah, Amy, did you know about this at all? Did you know the kind of controversy about the Miss World 1970 beauty competition? No, I had absolutely no idea. I can't say but Miss World is something that I really follow that much. <laughs> like I'll fair. get the odd glimpse of like winners or like a Steve Harvey like math like Miss Mishap or whatever, but nothing of this level. Yeah, that's the only thing that I know about Miss World is the the Steve Harvey thing. Um, and I also found out doing some research for this that Priyanka Chopra was Miss World in 2000, which I didn't yes. know. But yeah, this is definitely an event that is pretty under the radar. Um, I actually thought that it would have been nice to have known some information about it before going into the movie, because I do think that the movie works on it. There's kind of two um, streams 
for this movie. There's the Gugumba, the Raw stream, and then there's the Kira Knightley stream. And it's not super clear to me when I'm watching the film when the two are going to intersect. And I think knowing, I guess like for for a large portion of this movie, I didn't really understand the point of the Gugumbathara character. And I didn't understand what that was trying to say until it eventually did come full circle. Uh, yeah, I will agree with that. I felt like for basically the entire movie, it was two storylines that were trying to find our way to connect together. And it's not until you get that scene that you're like, okay, this now finally makes sense. I wish this has happened earlier on. Yeah, Morgan, did you feel that it was an effective um, meeting between the two characters? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can understand that having two seemingly disconnected storylines, you know, waiting for the moment for them to intersect is kind of like, would have been nice to potentially have that a little bit sooner. Mm. However, I think that it's kind of effective in the idea of you have two very different camps of what feminism is and they don't typically intersect. So then when they do like that's a meeting of contention, which kind of is what we saw uh, in the film. So I think that, well, there could have been ways that it could have been executed better instead of keeping it so wildly separated. I think that it was at least trying to parallel these two ideas and then kind of have that as like the big climactic reveal rather than kind of the scenes prior as the more climactic moment. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I do think that once they do meet, it it is really effective. And there's almost a um, bittersweetness to the way that both of those stories conclude which mm-hmm. I was not expecting to feel in the movie. Because like like we're saying, it, it is very much a feel-good movie and the ultimate message is, uh, yeah, that this was a great thing that happened and it it's fun to watch, right? You know, I mean, I think that's why you cast Keira Knightley in something. It's so that you can have fun watching her. And I think that that um, message continues throughout the movie, but there is sort of like a, oh, there is something a little a little more nuanced here going on, especially what the end result of the Miss World competition means for so many people. And I say that to keep it vague so that we're not going to spoil like who wins the Miss competition or whatever. But um, yeah, I, I, I do think that there's a lot going on underneath that makes this movie a little bittersweet. So one thing I also wanted to ask you guys is, have you seen the the Hulu limited series Miss America? Morgan, have you seen that? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I actually covered uh, Phyllis Sheffley for uh, Women's History Month as a very ironic thing <laughs> for the Friday the 13th this past year. Um, so I definitely had to watch it and it would definitely be a good companion piece with misbehavior. Though obviously Mrs. America has what was it, eight episodes to kind of flesh out who all these women were? Yeah, it's really interesting to see how that show and this movie are saying not exactly similar. Well, yeah, similar stories, not the exact same story, but quite similar stories in the sense that they're both about an event or a part in the 1970s rights for uh, or March for Women's Rights. And I think it's it's just really cool to see how it, these two 
properties are a really interesting way to see like what gets cut when you're going from, for example, a TV to movie or what you get to expand on when you go from movie to TV. And I think one of the most interesting things about Miss America is that they have individual episodes that focus on individual people. And I think it's interesting to think about how this um, event might be able to kind of take that Miss America approach and have different episodes about each of these individual characters so that instead of kind of focusing on, you know, focusing one movie on these two main characters, having one episode or a couple episodes mainly focus on Gugu and then the other couple episodes focus on the Kira Knightley character and then even some episodes focusing on this Jesse Buckley character, which we haven't talked about at all. Uh, Amy, have you seen Miss America? No, I am way behind on TV, so <laughs> I'm still playing catch up on everything. Well, it's a great one to watch for sure, especially if you liked this. But um, what were your thoughts on the Jesse Buckley character and how she works here? I mean, I really enjoyed the fact that she embodies um, that very far left white woman that doesn't quite understand how they need to work a little bit in the system in order to start to dismantle the system. I find that just very, you know, that whole anarchist idea very interesting. Mm -hmm. And then having to learn to tailor that anarchist uh, tendency so that you can actually have like vision and organization and drive and kind of having her juxtaposed with the Kira Knightley character was uh, always very interesting. Yeah, the the Kira Knightley character is probably my favorite character in this uh, probably not the most interesting. Like again, I think the Gugu character is the most interesting, but Kira Knightley is so fun to watch and see how she faces each of the individual challenges. I really love that this film gave Kira Knightley a concerned wife character in the form of her husband. Right, like anytime you have a movie that's about uh, activism or things like that, and unfortunately, most Hollywood movies are about men. There's always this one. Uh, wife character that's played by some incredibly talented actress who just really gets to go, oh, you're spending so much time on this case. You don't get to, you're not here for our family. I'm so concerned for you. And that's all they do. And this guy, I, I can't remember the actor, but the guy gets to play that character. And I thought that was really fun to see. Yeah. It's also fun to see her do anything after World War II because the poor <laughs> woman's normally in corsets or... um doing a turn of the century piece. So seeing her slowly inch towards the 21st century is also nice. Yeah. She did bend it like Beckham, right? That counts. So early in her career. But yeah, you're right. Like you, when you think of Kira Knightley, you think that she's like steeped in the 1800s or whatever, which is the exact opposite of some people. Like, um, what's that movie? It's called the last duel. I think with Ridley Scott, and it takes place in the medieval era and Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are in it. And it's like those two people should never be in a period piece. They belong in like 2008 Boston and that's it. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think I think we've hit a lot of points on this movie. Um, I, I do want to talk a little bit more about the, the Gugu character in spoilers and pick your brains about it a little bit, but is there anything specific that you want to say before hopping into spoilers? Not that I can think of. Not that I can think of either now. Okay, cool. Um, I'll just say that Greg Kinnear is in this movie, and I guess that is kind of a spoiler because he is completely unrecognizable. It is wild 
that he just looks nothing like himself. It's 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 just the nose, but he's playing Bob Hope, and um, that's a a really good makeup transformation in my opinion. So before hopping into spoilers, let's go ahead and just uh, score the movie. We'll give it a score out of ten. Summarize your thoughts. I'll uh, throw to Amy first. Yeah. So whilst I had like some issues with how maybe some messages came across or how some characters were written, I still overall had a really fun time. So I'm going to give it a three out of five. And uh, Morgan, how about you? Um, I mean, I really enjoyed the film. Watched it far too many times over a single weekend. So um, I'm going to give that a nine out of ten. And uh, I'll be right in the middle of you two. I'm I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. I think it's a really solid movie. I think it's definitely one that in 2020 is just a good time to watch, right? Like you pay your $4 or whatever it is and you enjoy it for two hours or a little under two hours. So I I have no negative notes about the film. Just uh, wish maybe it was a, a little more um, gutsy in what I was trying to say at the very end. But overall, really fun film and great performances. So with that, let's go ahead and take a break here. And when we return, we'll hop into spoilers. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. Okay, so we're back, and this is your spoiler warning for misbehavior, starting now. That's my secret, Cat. I'm always angry. Okay, so um, Miss Granada, Gugu Mbatha-Ra, she wins 1970 Miss World. This was... A huge surprise to me in the movie. I had no expectation that this is what she was. Uh, this is what the movie was going for. I had no expectation that this would actually happen in 1970. Um, did you know that this was the outcome, Morgan, or were you surprised by this? Um, I think I'd actually read a little bit about the film before actually seeing it, so I did know the outcome. But I was still surprised at how much, despite knowing the outcome, I was still very excited for her and seeing Miss Africa South when runner up was also something I had no idea would happen. So that was also another surprise on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. So not only did Miss Granada win, but Miss Africa South, which was for, I think the first time in the Miss world competition history or whatever, they got two individuals from South Africa. They before then, only ever had white South Africans. But this year, they brought a white South African and then a black South African. And this was right in the middle of apartheid. So this film is also kind of talking about apartheid at some points. Um, 
But yeah, I was I was super surprised that both of them went one and two. And it was like a really feel good moment, which I think is the point that they harp on in a second. Um, but Amy, were you surprised by this? Did you know this? I think the biggest surprise was how much they built up Sweden and then suddenly you don't even see Sweden place. Yeah. <laughs> and it's actually really interesting looking it up afterwards and seeing the whole discussion and the arguments and the bad press they got after for people thinking it was rigged or fixed because apparently like four of the seven judges actually put Sweden on first. So it was like a big deal on did they rig it? Was it because they had somebody in the panel who you know, was from the country that that's why it got put up or down. It was a real big discussion at the time. And I think that would have been a nice thing to even include in the end of a movie. Yeah. Morgan, did you, have you heard about that? I didn't. I'm kind of glad that they didn't include it though, so that it doesn't diminish what that Jennifer won that competition in such a momentous occasion that we didn't damper it the same way that the 1970s decided to (laughs) yeah for sure yeah that definitely would have if there was some sort of because i think even there was some speculation that the uh the i don't know if it's the prime minister or somebody that the general of granada was on the council and there was some indication that maybe he used like mafia and forced to kind of threaten the other judges into voting for miss granada but um, yeah, I do think that that would have definitely complicated what it, what is otherwise a pretty great achievement for such a shitty organization. But so okay, let's let's talk a little bit about how this Gugumbath the Raw character kind of represents the idea that feminism is very different when you are a white woman versus when you are a black woman, and how. The, I mean, that's obviously a lot to unpack, so I'm not going to force that on you. But uh, Morgan, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that and what you thought the movie, why it worked so well at unpacking that. So again, I watched it multiple times. So I got to watch it a first time with reaction, then a second time a little bit more critically. Mm-hmm. And there's a line in the confrontation between uh, Gugum Bakara and Kira Knightley where she says, I can't wait for the day that I can make, that I can have the same choices as you. And I think that that really encapsulates a lot of what that character had gone through in this world. And then seeing these radical feminists come in, um, who, by the way, had no idea that that was going to be the outcome of the mm-hmm. evening. So they didn't particularly go then to disrupt it when the first you know, black woman wins Miss World. But um, yeah, I found that line in particular to be pretty poignant in its ability to wrap up and kind of leave you with the culmination of everything that she had been through and then criticize the white women who weren't quite getting everything on looking at feminism in an intersectional way. Yeah, there's another another uh, moment in the film that I think is touching on the sort of bittersweetness that I was talking about is at the very end when you see the um, newspaper headlines the following day and all the newspaper headlines have in big, big letters the uh, disruption of the 1970s Miss World movement 
And then to the side, it's first black woman wins Miss World 1970 or whatever. And there is something where I was a little like, oh, man, that kind of I don't totally know exactly what the film is trying to say, but but there is something about kind of this um, kind of performance act. and, And it is a good one because it did bring international attention to the Women's Liberation Army. But there was also a little bit of this undermining of what could have been a really great moment and a moment that is, I'm sure, very important for plenty of um, black young women who want to see themselves on that stage. You know, so I I thought that just from those uh, newspaper headlines that that point was really well established. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it was also kind of nice because you also got to see Bob Hope getting dragged a little bit in the papers, (laughs) too. Yeah. Yeah. The the Bob Hope character in this is, I mean, he does, a, Greg Kinnear does a really good job at making him seem like a really big piece of shit. I don't know anything about Bob Hope, um, but he does not seem like a great person from this. That's for sure. I think there's one moment that I really liked when they said in the crowd, don't cause disruption when the girls are on stage. It's not their fault or something along the lines of that. And I really think mm-hmm. that was a good thing to put in to emphasize we are not blaming the girls who are having to enter we are blaming the system Mm -hmm. yeah that was a really great moment i agree amy that was kind of one too that um you know kira knightley character multiple times mentions we don't have a problem with the participants of this and i think that that was kind of a nice that scene especially really brought home the fact that they're in the crowd and they could cause disruption at any time and they know to still respect those women. Yeah, that I think was right after the bathing suit competition where they say something like, oh, I'm, you know, the view is great, but now it's time to turn around. And I I don't want to say it's a great moment in the film because great is not the right word for it, but it is a moment where it is really uncomfortable and it's shocking to think that that actually happened back then and that it actually happens still. And just seeing it with like, I, I don't believe there's any music or anything. It's just completely quiet. And it's just a pan of all these men like judging these women's but it, it was really uncomfortable to watch. And I thought that was a really good moment, a really quick and effective way to go. Oh, yeah, this is. There's something really problematic here. Um, were there any other like standout moments that you wanted to to mention here in spoilers? I mean, the disruption scene is pretty epic. <laughs> yeah, it is. Amy, how'd that uh, how'd that scene work for you? Did you? I loved it. I absolutely <laughs> loved it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fun. Even the thing of like Bob Hope not saying his own jokes and he's reading off like a piece of paper that someone's holding underneath the stage. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and and just the way that she initiates it to Kira Knightley is just like fuck this, and then throws the the sandbag. It's or it's flower, I think. Um, it's a really good moment, and I I think it really does encapsulate like the kind of like fist bumpy nature of the film, right? This is a film where you just you want to feel good, and it makes you feel good. Okay, so uh, I think that was about it for spoilers. Um, not a lot to spoil in this movie, especially because it's based on a real story, but it was uh, it's a good movie. And I think if you've gone through it this far and haven't seen the movie, you should definitely still check it out because spoilers certainly don't ruin the film. 
Uh, so with that, let's move on to our point two section where we talk about some of the other stuff that we've been watching. So Amy, I'll start with you. Uh, what have you been watching? Well, since we last talked, I actually got to go to the cinema. So that's a bonus. Oh, that's so exciting. I've been watching a lot of films at the cinema whilst I can. So I'll just talk about, I'll, I'll mention one in particular that's not really getting much of a shout out that I really love called The Broken Hearts Gallery. Max broke up with me. Pay up. Pay? What's going on here? We bet on all your relationships. You what? Yeah, how do you think I afford this lifestyle? <gasps> you can't have a good relationship because you're constantly mourning the old one. You keep something from every relationship. You need some sexual Listerine. Why don't you wash the taste of Max out of your mouth with a fresh minty dick? At least get rid of the ex-memorabilia. Lucy. Nick? What are you doing here? I want to show you something. What, your squatter? I'm turning it into a boutique hotel. What? What are you going to do with this stuff? Why don't you leave it here? It's like art in a gallery. The Broken Heart Gallery. There are broken people out there like me. People who need to let go and move on. Love makes you do crazy, stupid, irrational things. I think you should put your penis in his vagina. Oh, I should put my penis in his vagina. It's a traditional rom-com, but it's the idea that you hold on to memorabilia when you break up with someone, and this girl decides, I want to hold a gallery of people's broken up memories. <laughs> and it's super charming, and one of the best parts of it is that none of the friends are bitchy or annoying. They're all supportive and caring and loving and the entire cast is absolutely superb. You'll recognize people like Dakray Montgomery from Stranger Things, Philippa Sue from Hamilton. It's just, it's a wonderful feel good film and it's something that I feel like we all need right now. Yeah, I definitely want to check this one out. I'm not going to the theaters at the moment, so I'm going to have to wait for it to come on VOD. But I saw that you really liked this movie, so I'm, mm -hmm. I'm really eager to check it out. Uh, Morgan, have you seen this? I have. I actually reviewed it for uh, Shuffle Online, and I 100% agree with Amy. It's like such a great, uplifting movie, and I would pay lots of money to see more of, you know, the three female friends in it because they're great together. And Molly Gordon deserved justice after she was kind of overlooked from Booksmart. So I'm <laughs> glad that she got to be in this really great film. I'm pretty sure Suki Waterhouse is in this movie, if I'm not mistaken. And she yeah. is she's Miss USA in Misbehavior. Yeah, she is. It's pretty incredible to see her in two wildly different roles. No, it's it's good synergy for the podcast. She's also in Detective Pikachu as she plays like a villain henchman to to keep it vague, but I love that movie and I love her in it. I think it's really funny. But um yeah. Okay. So Broken Hearts Gallery, that is hopefully coming to VOD soon so I can check it out, but I'm really excited to to see it when I do see it. Anything else you wanted to touch on, Amy? Um, I've been catching up with a lot of TV. I've been really behind, but the one show I've been making sure I keep up on is The Boys Season 2, which is just as great as the first season, which I'm honestly surprised about because that was one of my biggest surprises of last year. But still just as shocking, still just as fun, still has so much to say about the superhero genre and 
Nazis and white supremacy and just overall really great show so far. Yeah. Yeah. I just did a, a review of that last week where we just talked about the first five episodes or whatever had come out by then. But it's yeah, it's it's a great show. And oh, man, it, it, you're right. Season two is just as good as season one. I'm really excited to see how they keep building the world up and up. Uh, Morgan, have you seen The Boys? I have not. That is on my list. Not even season one? No. Oh, so you'll be able to binge all the way through season one and two probably. And oh, wow. I'm I'm jealous because it's been hard trying to keep up with it every week with the, the, the way that they're releasing season two. Um, okay. So Morgan, what have you been watching then? Um, I have been uh, watching Game of Thrones for the first time. Oh, oh wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, what, nine years late? just a little late so that's been really interesting to watch it from a 2020 lens Mm -hmm. yeah so i've been doing that and then i also just started the newest season of fargo so that's oh i haven't even seen fargo season three but i love the first two seasons yeah season four has jesse buckley with a very strong minnesotan accent (laughs) so it's quite interesting so um what stimulated the the watch of Game of Thrones? Like, why not before? What What's changed? Just time? Um, I mean, time and also, I, you know, I was a big Mad Men fan, and I really hated that Mad Men kept playing with my emotions. Mm. So I wanted to wait to watch Game of Thrones and not be duped like everyone else and <laughs> semi-know what the plots were, and here I am still being duped by game of thrones even though it's been out for nine years so have you managed to like avoid the big spoilers like do you know what the red wedding are or is i know all the big spoilers but i don't know all the little spoilers so for instance the whole twincest plot line sure threw me for a loop (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's i that showed us so many weird things I, i i remember similarly like i didn't start game of thrones until maybe season six was airing or something and the very first time i tried to watch it i watched the first episode or two and i was like nope not not for me this is really uncomfortable to watch with anybody and then i gave it a couple more goes and then just ended up binging it like over a week i think before season seven or whatever but um yeah i'm really jealous that you get to experience that i'm really sorry for what you're about to experience in season eight though how uh yeah i I have a wine subscription, so we'll be fine. <laughs> how, <laughs> how far are you? I am on season two, so I have a lot to go. Oh, okay. Cool, cool. Amy, you have I'm assuming you've seen Game of Thrones? Yes, I caught but right before the final season, my boyfriend got frustrated because he was in Dubai when the final episode aired, so I actually saw the final episode before him, and he's been watching it for years. <laughs> it's actually got annoying if he, I know what happens at the end. I don't hate season eight as much as everyone else. I have the same issues with pacing and what happens in the final episode, but I still think there's some really solid content in the final season. The first two episodes are fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, it's certainly one of those things where you get used to a certain quality, right? And then when they take it away, even if it's head and shoulders above 95% of what's on TV nowadays, like because they just did so well and especially in those first couple seasons of being really patient that it just ultimately ends up being really frustrating but but i agree with you i I do think that there's a tendency to like overstate 
how bad that last season is. Like, there's still a lot of good things. It's it's really just the very last episode that I think is like kind of objectively bad. I think it's from episode three with a long night, and then you can tell from that moment they were rushing. They were rushing. This needed to be a yeah. ten episode season or two seasons of six episodes. Yeah. Morgan, do you know who ends up on the throne? I do know who ends up on the throne. Okay. Darn. I, okay. Yeah. Don't, I Again, I know all the big spoilers. So I, you know, my two favorite characters are Sansa and Daenerys. So I feel like at, I'm going to end up 50-50 on being happy. So I guess that's okay. Yeah. I love Sansa. I think she had a really rough go for a while. And then like where they take her character makes so much sense. So I'm really happy with what they did with her. Not so much Danny, but hey, can't get it all right. Or half of it. Okay, so um, <laughs> what have I been watching? I've, I've been watching a bunch of TV, and I haven't actually finished any shows since my last episode. Um, but I do want to touch on two shows that I've started, and I like for very different reasons. The first one is Ted Lasso. It's an Apple TV Plus show starring Jason Sudeikis. Have either of you seen this? Nope. I have not. I heard good things about it. Yeah. Okay. So it's a um, Jason Sudeikis plays a former American football coach who is hired kind of out of the blue to be the new coach for the England or for an England football club. So I guess one of the really clever jokes of this show is that football means two different sports depending on where you are. Um, but basically, you know, this dude, he's completely out of his element. He does not have any idea how to play English football. And you kind of get that story a lot, right? Of like a, a doofy person in a fish out of water kind of scenario and hilarity ensues. But what I think is actually really special about this show is that Ted Lasso is genuinely the nicest person that I've ever seen on any TV show. But like the niceness is not used as a way to make him stupid or as a way to make him naive or ignorant about his job. He's actually a really good coach. He just doesn't know the game of football. But it's really fun to just see him be a good person and work his way into becoming a good coach and slowly learning the game. And it makes the stakes of the show really, really low. So it makes it like the stakes of this show are, is everybody going to get along and have a good football season? But I think that that low stakes energy is perfect for 2020 because it's really funny and it's super stress-free. Nothing terrible is ever going to happen. So you just get to turn it on and you just get to watch good people be genuinely good people. And I really think it's a feel-good show of the year. But again, I've only seen like five episodes, so maybe it goes to shit at the end like Game of Thrones does. Um, but so far, I, I really, really like Ted Lasso. Okay, so the other show is not a feel-good show. Um, it's called Raised by Wolves. Have either of you seen that one? I'm nope. not. So behind. <laughs> okay, so uh, Raised by Wolves is an HBO Max show. It's a sci-fi show by Ridley Scott, actually. Um, and as far as I know, it's completely original. And I think that alone, just like an original sci-fi property, makes it pretty fascinating. And HBO Max clearly put in the budget like there's still hbo i guess because it's dripping with production design um it takes place on this foreign planet and i it's, I guess it's kind of in the future or like some you know alternate reality future or whatever 
And basically what it does is it follows two androids who are tasked with raising a group of children after humanity has been basically wiped out on Earth. And uh, it's kind of hinted at in the first episode that the Earth was destroyed by this war between a religious group and um, an atheistic group. So the robots are hired by these atheists to kind of reboot humanity and raise the children as atheists. But at the same time, there's this small set of a religious group that has survived and they're kind of trying to come and rescue the children or whatever. So with that, it's a sci-fi show that has these really interesting ideas about humanity and religion and parenthood and how all of those things intersect. Um, And it can get really heady. And it's also classic Ridley Scott, so it's incredibly violent sometimes. And, like, there's some pretty gross body horror stuff. I don't know if either of you have seen the Alien movies. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so there's at least one Alien movie scene in each episode that just makes you go, I didn't want to see the human body do that, or I didn't want to see that come out of a human body. Um but I, I I think it's a really interesting show, and I, I would definitely recommend it. Um, it's just nice to see something that's clearly a fully formed idea, and it's a good piece of sci-fi storytelling. Um, the first three episodes, just like The Boys, were released all at once, so it's it's a really slow buildup. Um, I think I'm five or six episodes in, and I still am not super sure what the show is about. And then I think it also suffers from the problem that a lot of sci-fi shows have where sci-fi or technology starts to border on um, magic, right? And so it it can be kind of frustrating because I'm not sure what the power set of this one android is. It kind of seems to have like Superman powers or whatever. But overall, really, really like it. Um, I'm really excited to see where it goes. And I think having Ridley Scott at the helm makes it really promising to see that it'll ultimately pay off. But um, yeah, that's raised by wolves. I don't know. Are are you are either of you interested in these kind of big sci-fi idea things, or does that seem to turn you off? Oh, I grew up in a family where we watched a lot of sci-fi. Now, do I want to watch someone give themselves a C-section and then birth an alien <laughs> baby? Not all the time, but I mean. The first Alien is probably one of the best like sci-fi horror films of all time. Yeah, I don't think there's anything that cr- well. I I don't know. I will say nobody does explicitly that, so you can go into it rest assured that nobody will give themselves a C-section. So far, okay, perfect. That's um, just saved for Prometheus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For I mean, uh, Prometheus is a brutal, not very fun watch for me. I think this one works a lot more, though, because it's just like something about it being on TV and also being not based in the alien world kind of lowers the expectations a little bit. So you're allowed to just kind of feel like you're living in the world without needing some sort of driving plot, which is, I think, something that Prometheus was deeply lacking. Okay, so that was Raised by Wolves, which is on HBO Max. Um, Check it out. So this has been our review of Misbehavior. Amy, Morgan, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I'll jump to Amy first. Is there anything specific that you'd like to plug here? Uh, not that I can think of a plugging, but I will say if you're in America, go register and go vote. Yeah, yeah. So I should say for context, we're recording on Wednesday. Last night was 
the shit show that was the first presidential debate. So um, <laughs> I will support that, Amy. <laughs> Did you watch it? I've seen clips. Yeah. Okay. I That's... don't think I could have sat through the entire thing. <laughs> no, it was it was the most uncomfortable ninety minute movie I've ever seen. So, uh, all right, Morgan, how about you? Is there anything you want to plug? I mean, anyone can follow me on Twitter at msml roberts, where I will probably be tweeting a lot about how you should register to vote. And if you need to go to iwillvote dot com, you can check your registration register to vote or get an absentee ballot. Make sure that you are talking with your county's uh, electoral board to make sure that you're doing everything right uh, if you are voting by mail or absentee. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. We will be sure to provide all those links in the show notes as well. Definitely, definitely register to vote. It's incredibly important. The intro music for this episode is a piece called Work by Kevin McLeod, and you can find more of his work at incompetech.com. If you'd like to keep up with this podcast and find out when we release new episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at MovieMarapod or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MovieMarapod. That's Movie M-A-R-A pod. And you can always reach out to us at our email, MovieMarathonersPod at gmail.com. You can find more episodes of this podcast at our website, evergreenpodcasts.com slash movie dash marathoners. And we are also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Overcast, Himalaya, and CastBox. So please subscribe or write a review if you like what we're doing. And any feedback you have to help improve the podcast is always appreciated. So thank you all for listening to this episode. And we hope you'll join us again next time when I am joined by my friend Ian Anderson to kick off some spooky season themed episodes by discussing Netflix's The Haunting of Bly Manor, the sequel-ish series to The Haunting of Hill House, which I have just started and is an unbelievable show. Um, so I'm really excited to talk about that. Until then, bye. Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Neglia, and I am the host of the Next Best Picture podcast, part of the Film Entertainment Awards website, Next Best Picture. On our show, we explore all year long what is possibly going to win Best Picture at the Oscars. We do this by conducting interviews with people within the film industry, holding weekly reviews of the latest theatrical releases, and on our main show, where we dive into various different topics, answer your fan questions, and also do our best to explore Oscar history's past in hopes that it will tell us something new for this upcoming award season race. We hope that you will join us on all of the various podcasting networks. We look forward to seeing you over at nextbestpicture.com.